in a world where acting weird isn't professional. We're just two girls trying to act normal. Alright guys, here we are. Hey, we have some fun news. It's us, Anna and Shelby from Acting Normal. These are your hosts. We lost this podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We lost this one, so we have to re-record part one. So hopefully... Yeah, because it's a two-parter. Hopefully our jokes are just as good. Honestly, if they're not, sorry, because they were good Uh, the first time. Honestly, here's the thing. After we, like end the podcast everything we talked about goes out of my brain so i will more than likely be shocked by everything except for i, I think hope so one thing because i was like really i've i've been talking about it offline oh okay the paris one. Oh yeah i know that one stinks because it's not gonna be as like what yeah but you know what i don't remember really how he did it though to be fair i do oh. but that's okay i'll play dumb okay it's called <laughs> acting everyone acting <laughs> normal acting normal <laughs> that's what we do so and i give us a little synopsis on how, synopsis on how we got here because you guys know we love just like we love a pageant and like all that kind of stuff um so we were recapping the fact that i was out on vacation <laughs> now like two weeks ago yes and it was a beach vacation so i read this book called confident women mm-hmm. to my surprise the book confident women is about all car- con artists I did not realize con and con artists meant confident and confidence. I also did not know that. So I looked it up because I didn't believe her. Because she didn't believe me. And <laughs> so I was I like, Googled it. I'm sorry, this book was published in 2021. I think they fact checked. <laughs> this was the latest news in this book. Okay. And then we came upon an article of, the ni- of nine of history's most infamous con artists. And we got through five of them. So we're going to hit on. We're going to do them again. <laughs> Take it away, Shelby. <laughs> okay. So we'll start off with this article. Let's see. This is by Natasha. We Okay, guys, we didn't get we didn't their, their name, name last, last time. time. Yeah. Um, and the article is from all that is uh, interesting.com. It's a dot .com. It's a dot .com, so it's probably fake. <laughs> Sorry, Natasha. Sucks. <laughs> it was published in 2020. Kind of close to the kind latest of, news. Yeah, My book was news. latest news. Yeah. I mean, published. this article is probably going to confirm your book. Yeah. Because I did look it up and she was right. That's how we got here. Yeah. Because we went on this whole thing of like. We both didn't words. know like what con meant in like the con artists. Yeah. We're going to we're going to talk you through how we got here guys isn't this fun (laughs) it's fun just listening to me because we also found these funny words that also meant con artists remember yeah 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 and there was a one that was really good oh yeah um a flim flammer a flim flammer a scamp (laughs) the scamp one is just really bad i like scamp because are you saying like skank kind of reminds me of skank yeah you could i mean sure scamp you scamper you rascal. <laughs> Rascal's That's one of them. <laughs> you rascal flats. Got him. Here's um, <laughs> Life is a highway, guys. I don't want to ride that all night long. <laughs> um, okay, here are some synonyms for con men that we did not talk about last night. So more news. 
more Lat- updated latest news. news. Um, Sharpie is what the source.com is saying is a synonym. Because they're sharp? I guess. Shark makes sense. Mount Bank. No. I don't know. I don't know that what that would make any sense. Even make a fleecer. A deceiver. Bunko. <laughs> oh, it sounds fake. That sounds like a clown. Clip artist. A clip artist. Clip artist. A hustler. <laughs> Everyone was a clip artist. We used like PowerPoint in like third grade. Like Ooh. clip art. <laughs> Words related to con artist, aka confidence man. It literally says it right here. There you go. There you go. Um, Barracuda. I just feel like they're just is on picking here. animals. Bilker. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a it's a synonym. <laughs> The con artist. I know, but like, wait, we're gonna click on that one because Bilker what? sounds like milker. See definition. <laughs> I just don't it get it. Oh, bilk to defraud or cheat, to evade payment, to frustrate, <laughs> to escape from. I'm a I'm a bilker. This means a lot of things. <laughs> I'm a bilker. Hey, you bilk. <laughs> I frustrate people. I think it's British. Oh. That makes sense. <laughs> Other words for bilk, swindle, trick, dupe, fleece, rook. Fleece. How do you spell that? Like the fabric. Oh. Hmm, that's maybe, what it says. Maybe look that one up too. Okay. Oh, okay. Because I'm just curious because I'm right. just thinking fabric. Why would it be called a art, like a fabric? I think this might also be British too. Oh. This is Brits. What are you doing over there? <laughs> um, so the first definition is coat of wool that covers a sheep. The two is wool shorn from a sheep. Three is something resembling a fleece. But then why would fleece, the definition of fleece, be something resembling a fleece? Four, a fabric with a soft, silky pile used for warmth. Five, the soft nap or pile of such a fabric. Hey, dictionary.com. This sounds like you guys are dumb. This sounds like you asked everyone in your office what fleece meant and then put it online. Oh my gosh. So then it says uh, vert. So that's the definition for a noun. A noun. When it's used as a verb to deprive of money or belongings by fraud hoax. Those are very different things. To remove the fleece of a sheep. Fleecing. Yeah. To overspread as with fleece. You can't, you, you can't use the word yeah. and the definition. You can't, you can't use that. That's not how that works. <laughs> Dictionary.com. They just went around the entire office and asked. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think fleece means? Well, I think it's like that, like fabric of fleece. I hope that's how Dictionary.com's office works. It's like the person who's writing the definitions is like, all right, um, let's see. Whose turn is it on the list here? Um, Katrina. Let's call her up. Ring, 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 ring. Hey, hey, boss. Hey, yeah, I'm trying to figure out some new meanings for the word fleece. Okay, what do you, um, what do you I'm have? I'm thinking about like how they, how we could use it. Um, I want to mm. shoot. I want to brainstorm with you a little oh, bit. Yeah, of course. So yeah. I, I don't, you know, when I think of fleece, I think of like the fabric fleece. Sure. You think of a sheep, maybe. I think of a sheep. Yeah. yeah. Sheep is probably number one for me. Sheep for sure is yeah. number one. You know what? This is a little crazy. Okay. Let's, I don't know, like, when you put a blanket on someone, they can't, like, see, and then I could, like, 
you know, steal their money from them. Okay. Which is like fraud, you know? So could be a could be a verb about fraud. Yeah. I'll put that in. I got sheep here. Yeah. I got some about like the wool. Yeah. Okay. And then when we're using it as a verb, that'll be like when you just swindle somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And should it be f- just called fleece or fleecing? Nah, just fleece. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're just- right, boss. You pay for my rent, so that makes sense. I makes agree it with you. E- makes it easier. Yeah. You're just one word. You don't have to worry about all <laughs> yeah, these things. Yeah, don't worry about things. it. You just... I'm okay. Okay. This is what we'll type. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Katrina. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, boss. Bye. Bye. (laughs) And then we click and hang up. (laughs) And that's how they that's how they do dictionary definitions. And my favorite thing was actually in their office, um, the boss is sitting across from Katrina and (laughs) you just called me. I still actually called you. You still actually called me. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's good for the bit. I held I think dictionary.com's office is all for bits. Yeah. For anybody who's not in my apartment would be anybody listening to this. I held up my phone. Yeah. Like I was actually calling Katrina, a.k.a. Anna, Anna. in case. Anyway, I know it's hard to tell because she did such I an know, amazing I did job. I did a good job. I know my voice <laughs> didn't waver from my original voice. Not a bit. Not a bit. <laughs> we should have been British. It was a British, been British How dare we? Hey, boss. What you want? <laughs> hey, have you ever heard of a shape? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think through maybe some different words for it. Okay. I'm thinking, like, we got to talk about the wool. Yeah. We got to talk about how it might be warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's soft. It bars. Uh, I don't know. So we're not talking about an actual shape. Oh, you, said, talking, you said you asked me if you were talking about shape. No, well, we're talking about fleece. Oh, okay. sorry. I should have said that in the beginning. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I confusing. said that part in my Is head right? before I called you. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. now I have to talk about why i said that yeah. so we're talking about fleece okay that makes also sense i'm now. your boss so just sh- can you shut up yep i'm quiet just listen to me just done that's me as a boss telling my employee to shut up <laughs> you kind of went a little like southern i lost i lost the accent i lost it <laughs> can you just like shut up <laughs> <laughs> um okay back to dictionary.com if you need any help from us yeah. uh if you're listening and we know you are yeah um just let us know we'd love to think honestly take some like um take some notes off of duolingo they're doing a good job with marketing i think we would kill if we were dictionary.com's tiktok team yeah 100 we would (laughs) so much fun you just literally all of words in existence you just one base one a day yeah honestly maybe three sure because that's what i heard is how you get followers you have to post like three times a day and it doesn't matter about quality it's about quantity great we would kill that. Crushed it. I also love And honestly, we would have the quality along with the I was going to say, I love those terms in case we don't, though. Just three. Yeah, just three. Just got to put them up just there. Just three a day. <laughs> okay, back to con artists. Natasha, we're really rooting for you. I'm really excited. The term con artist or con man comes from one of American history's earliest scammers, a man by the name of William, William Thompson... In 1849, Thompson was arrested in New York City for a slew of successful scams during which he duped unassuming passerbys on the street into lending him their valuables before vanishing them. Like, how? Magic. (laughs) Cups and balls. Cups and balls. (laughs) I bet you he did do some of that, though. Like, oh, "Oh, you have a watch? And he puts it under, and then he does the... Guess where it's at? Guess where it's at? And then, like, you lift it up, and you're like... (gasps) And there's actually, like, a hole in his table or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, And then he was like, oh, I don't know. And then they're like, bring it back. And he's like, that's not how magic works. (laughs) Can't figure it out. I can't control the the universe. The are closed. Yeah. You see this mirror? It's a mirror. (laughs) 
Thompson was consequently known among local authorities as the confidence man, which was eventually shortened to con man. But Thompson was hardly alone in his clever gifts. According to historian Karen Holtonen, approximately 10% of all criminals in New York City in the 60s, oh, sorry, 1860s, 1860s. were con artists. So at that point, they're all just businessmen. Also, where did we get that percentage? Yeah. Like, you know, there were probably more. Like, 10% seems low to me. Also, like, why is everyone just, like, lying? Because we're humans. I you know, know how but many like, times let's calm, humans let's calm down. That's 10%. That's a lot. Well, at that point, do you not call them con artists anymore? You just call them humans. Yeah. They're businessmen. <laughs> yeah. They're sellers. Yeah. They're fleecers. They're swindlers. They're blinkers. <laughs> They're bunkos. <laughs> They're riddlers. <laughs> They're skanks. <laughs> just like throw random words in there. Um... Nearly all confidence men or scam artists are charming. Spoiler mm. alert. Take Victor Lustig, for example. This con man managed to sell the Eiffel Tower <laughs> and allegedly even swindle notorious mobster Al Capone. Guys, I forgot about the Al Capone thing. Our reactions can only be... It's really disappointing because we were both very, very authentically surprised by this man yeah. who sold the Eiffel Tower. We also had a movie... Starring Pete Davidson. Oh, yeah, shoot. <laughs> Your memory is so much better than mine. Which is crazy because I have a terrible memory. I know. Mine's real bad. But this story, I literally talked about it yesterday. Well, we're going to talk about it again. Nick about it. And he was like, oh. Was he surprised? Yeah. He was like, How? Because I guess I said, How do you think he sold it? Yeah. Well, don't spoil it. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not going to say okay. it. But, he, but I'm going to say what he guessed because it's exactly what I guessed when okay. we like, first did it. Where I was like, they probably spent millions of dollars and like, then they got a keychain in the mail. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly what I thought too. Oh, and okay. I was like, but stay. And I was like, but I'll tell you now, but the listeners stay tuned. Shelby, we'll get to it. Yeah, stay tuned. <clears throat> he was fittingly dubbed the Count by authorities because he was so debonair. <laughs> debonair. I mean, you got to be to sell the Eiffel Tower. That is a, that's a big feat. That's. I don't know how tall To be it like, is, I am so good at scamming. I'm going to sell the friggin' Eiffel Tower. <laughs> friggin' Eiffel Tower. Not once. Twice. Twice, everybody. He you heard sold it here it. first. He sold it twice. We're experts now, so. That's bananas. It, it's one, like, I can see maybe once. Sure. You, and, and honestly, that would be the pinnacle of my swindler career. Yeah. Not his. Again, stay tuned. That's not all he did. Not, no. Al Capone. Beyond smooth talkers, there are also con men who play on people's biases like Anna Sorokin, who cheated her way into the ranks of New York City's elite by pretending to be a rich heiress named Anna Delvey. The scam artist's former friends, nearly all of them wealthy socialites, alleged that she had convinced them to loan her cash for lavish vacations abroad only to never be repaid. She's the worst. She's the worst. Indeed, conning is not a thing of the past. In today's internet age, scams exist in form of spam emails and catfishing campaigns. While cognitive scientists argue that most people today are more cautious, con artists still manage to find a way to evade the best lie detectors, leaving even the keenest people to be conned. I feel, I feel like it'd be really easy to con me. Mm -hmm. Anyways, do you think you could pass a lie? Like, do you think you could um, trick a lie detector? Because I know how to do it now, yes. Don't you just, like, pinch yourself or something? You just breathe. What? 
you just like you just breathe in and out like you normally would and then you like slow down your breath and then you just talk oh and then you're also supposed to like believe what you're saying is true yeah because that because your breath won't waver i think your breath would be harder to control when you're like when you don't know the questions you know what i mean Mm -hmm. well i can't even use like lie detector tests in the court so yeah, well, I'm not trying to take you to court. I just want to see if my friend will have a funny time with me. Okay, well, what would you ask me? I don't know. I'd, I, well, I couldn't ask you now because then you'll be prepared for him if we ever get a lie detector. Can you imagine if we get a lie detector? Mm, uh, how wait, much are they? I was going to say, wait, can you rent one? At that point, like... The- I think we would need somebody who knows like how to read it. Yeah. You got to so get the would, guy that was like on all of those like videos. He was on Try Guys. He was very funny. Because he doesn't give a rat's ass. He just, like, reads it. And he's like, you're lying. And everyone's like, ah! And he's just so straight-faced. It's hilarious. <laughs> okay. This is... Oh, this is just where... Global Polygraph Network. Where can I take a lie detector test? Illinois. You know what? That would... That, that should be someone's next, like, activity, like, thing you do. Because now there's, like axe throwing there's game night rooms like where you literally like rent a room and play games like minute to win at games and uh, like you can make money which off those that. are fun escape rooms yeah. next one up lie detector rooms i think you just would, go i think this would be hilarious and what, with a group of friends hilarious like be so much bachelor bachelorette party oh my gosh that would be so yeah. funny yeah and here's the thing front of the room bar because <laughs> then you like actually just you know, like you drink yeah. and like you're probably, I would forget my, you know, tips and tricks on that. Yeah, I think that I, I would be trying so hard to trick it. I think that I wouldn't trick it, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I'd be so focused on that, that like everything would be going crazy. I would be curious you know what I mean? like what questions they would ask to make it a good time and not, you know, end up with everyone crying at the end you know I what know. i mean like in, in like a bachelorette scenario everyone has to like leave still being happy with each other yeah illinois polygraph testing same day immediate results same day well yeah immediate so. results you're reading it as you go i'd hope it'd be in oh we can go to a we can go to a lawyer's office mccord and associates shout out I want to do this. Anyways. Well, how much is it? I don't know. I think I'd have to do a lot more research. Oh, wait. Here's Google asking me. Oh, they're kind of expensive. 400 bucks. Whoa. Yeah. For the machine? No, that's for us to do it, I think. Oh. But 400 bucks for like a once in a lifetime, (laughs) potentially, event? No. If anybody sees my eyes, they're going crazy. <laughs> um, okay. Back to this. Oops, just a second. I got a text message and accidentally clicked on it in my computer. What does it say? Here we go. <laughs> I can't. I'm not telling any of you guys. I got a text too. You want me to read it? <laughs> no. I want to talk about Charles Ponzi. <laughs> <laughs> just confirmed our rezo. That's what it said. Ooh. Charles Ponzi, the most notorious con man in U.S. history. <laughs> That's why he's number one. Number one, baby. He looks like somebody would talk like one of our favorite accents. Yeah. Hey, guy, get over here. You want to go play some cards? You got to smoke? You got to light? Yeah. 
Come on. Now watch me do this jig with this cane I carry around for no reason. It's a lot of shoulders. Exactly. A lot of cane movement. Today, the term Ponzi scheme is used to describe an illegitimate operation, but the term actually came from real life Charles Ponzi whose $15 million <laughs> investment scheme claimed to turn the average American working man into a multimillionaire overnight. It's just multi-level marketing. Yeah, he just created a pyramid scheme, but like made it huge. And he was the only And also, winner. do you think that like he loves this? That it's like, called as a con man? Ponzi? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like in his grave, he's having a little party. Yeah. You know how people always say they're like, He's rolling in his grave. Mm-hmm. What if somebody's happy in there? He's partying in his He's grave. He's fist bumping in his grave. He's, yeah. He's born to hand jive baby in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> that one's a He's little grape vining in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, no, we got to think about it, you know, a little bit more He's seriously. He's shuffling in his grave. <laughs> Shelby, we got to think about this more seriously. Okay. Okay. are in a box. Yes. Rolling in his grave is just because that's probably the easiest thing you could possibly do. Okay. So that's what... You could probably do this Saturday Night Live uh, disco thing in your grave. I'm doing it right yeah. now. Real close yeah, to Yeah, you're doing it real... That's why I was born a hand jive, baby. Yeah, yeah. Hand jive would be good. You could at least be like wiggling your feet trying to grave You could do one, maca two, maca three, macarena. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah, you right could pretty easily do that. And then you kind of turn... Put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your right foot in, and you shake it all okay, about. Okay, okay. You do the Ponzi pokey, and you <laughs> turn yourself around. He's hokey pokey in his grave right now. That's a fun one. I like that. We call it Ponzi pokey. <laughs> yeah, for this guy. For this guy. He's having a good time. He's like, yeah, everybody sees my name. Everyone loves me. I love that. <laughs> I'm Charles. <laughs> I hope he has a cane with him. I wish this was... And then he's like... No, hear me out. I wish this was called the Charlie scheme. <laughs> I don't know why, but I think... I like Ponzi. It's I like do too, but I think quippier. it'd be, you, you know, a little bit universal. Like, no one's going to stop naming their kid Charlie just because of this guy. Oh, yeah. Charlie scheme. I like the name Charlie. That's a good name. Um, Charlie bit my finger. But, but really, the scheme only worked to turn Ponzi into a millionaire. They keep saying overnight, and I feel like... It didn't happen overnight. Just like Anna, I also forget immediately what I talk about in most situations, yeah. to be honest with you. Oh. Um, so I don't remember if it actually happened overnight. So Overnight seems like a lot. Overnight, I don't think what, so. What year is this? I know you said it, and I, again, forgot. Ooh, gotta go back up here. We haven't gotten to a year yet. Oh, okay. We're about to get into the story. Okay. Uh, Charles was an Italian immigrant who first came to the U.S. in 1903. Like most immigrants who came to America, Ponzi was looking for economic opportunity. The con man worked all kinds of odd jobs to make ends meet until he secured a job at Bank Zerosi, which served mostly Italian immigrants in Montreal, Canada. But when the bank went bankrupt, Ponzi found himself out of a job. As a result, he began dabbling in check forgery and illegal smuggling, which landed him in prison. Mm. But after his release, Ponzi was struck with inspiration. He had so a lot of time to think about that's it. That's what you like to hear when you come out of jail. Yeah, yeah. I talked to all these other criminals, and I have an idea. And I have a great idea, hey? Thanks to a letter from a business correspondent in Spain, the ambitious hustler was introduced to the international postal coupon system. 
Ponzi exploited the system by buying massive quantities of postal coupons from countries with weak economies and redeeming them in countries with stronger ones. He operated his scheme under Invested Securities Exchange Company. The scam artist trained sales agents to pitch potential investors, telling them that they would receive double their money plus interest back within 45 days. The sales agents pulled in 10% commissions for every investor they managed to bring in, while sub-agents pulled in 5%. Charles Ponzi's scheme grew as investors eagerly, eagerly dumped money into his business. He took the payments from sales agents, oh, I have the hiccups, and investors directly, and instead of using them to ship the stamps coupons, he simply pocketed them himself. Mm. Then he gave portions of the money to pay off previous investors, creating an infinite cycle of non-profitable investments. God. That's they don't up. say they don't say who his like Spain correspondence was. They don't call him out. <sighs> Has there been a movie about this guy? About Ponzi? There's got to be, right? Probably. You know, it's one of those things where it's like based off of the story and no one calls him Charlie. Name's probably like um, CPAP. <laughs> what? CPAP. <laughs> it's definitely not what they're calling them. <laughs> uh, his scam secured over forty thousand investors, making him million, making him a millionaire in less than six months. So not overnight. Well, yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> like inherently, that's a lot of work. You're getting mail from Spain. Yeah. In the nineteen hundreds, like early nineteen hundreds, take a long time. How long does it take for a ship to cross the ocean? It's like two weeks, isn't it, or something? I'm pretty sure. Because if you, like, take an international cruise. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, something like that. Yeah. So we're waiting two weeks, and then they got to get on a horse and buggy to get it to your house. Yeah. They got to get on the train. Planes, trains, and automobiles (laughs) up in here. Not planes. Trains and automobiles. Wait, when did planes happen? Oof. I don't know, and I'm not going to look it up. Somewhere in Ohio. An article published in the Boston Post on July 24th, 1920, estimated that his net worth was around $8.5 million. He had a 12-bedroom mansion, multiple cars, house staff, and a gold-handed cane to do all that dancing. <laughs> News of Ponzi's wealth attracted more investors, but it also invited, invited scrutiny from federal investigators. In the end, it was Ponzi's publicist, William McMasters. That's a good name. Great name. Bill. Bill McMasters, who Bill. revealed his fraudulent scheme and reported him to authorities. Conman wow. served three and a half years in federal prison for his scam. After we, he was paroled in 1925, he was sentenced to nine years in state prison on additional fraud charges. But his unmasking did little to motivate his remorse. Yikes. I mean, that tracks for this, uh, this guy. The con artists describe his scam as the best show ever staged on their territory since the landing of the pilgrims. Hey, Charles. What? That doesn't make any sense, bud. Because the pilgrims, it wasn't a show. Yeah. Mm. Well, did they come out and did they do a little cane dance? You know what? I wasn't there. (laughs) I wasn't there either. So... Touche. They could have. Could have. I don't think Charlie was there either, though. No, he wasn't. the pilgrims came over. Um, So that's a weird one, Pons. But that's okay. They're out there. You know what? You're just, you know, being dramatic, and I get it. He subsequently tried to escape from prison multiple times. Yep. 
After he was released from jail in 1943, Ponzi was deported back to Italy where he died in a charity hospital in 1949 with just $75 to his name. Mm. But his name and the scheme he founded live on in infamy. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And he's hokey Ponziing in his grave. <laughs> okay, our next con artist is Sylvia Brown. Sylvia Brown. The psychic scam artist who profited off of grieving parents. Mm. Sylvia. Sylvia, you could have profited off a she lot looks, of people. She looks like um, a neighbor who would complain that you're like planting trees on her property. Mm. Because she thinks it's her property line is not where it's at. Yeah. She probably like. That's what she looks like. She probably like marks her property line with like. Yeah. Spraying her grass. And she calls the cops and the cops um, send like a bike cop. He's got shorts on. Yeah. Cargo shorts. But she's like, what's the issue? She kind of has a crush on him. She likes him a little bit. Yeah. She's like, hey, Bill. She gets him lemonade. He's like, hi, Sylvia, what's wrong? <laughs> and she was like, look what they're doing. And he's like, planting trees. It's a very nice garden that they're coming up this with. It actually looks really nice, Sylvia. Yeah, this is actually really good for our neighborhood. <laughs> he's actually the neighbor, too. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Can you please stop calling my on my wife? <laughs> like, she's... She just wanted to plant this, like, banana tree that she was going to share. Oh, you're saying he's the neighbor they were complaining about. I thought he was just in the neighborhood. No. Like, that's funny, though. <laughs> so, yeah, please stop calling. Like, you can have some he's of the bananas. He's still biked over from his... <laughs> he, like, biked from the No, he's at work. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's I guess at he work. Come over. He has to come over and yeah. catch Sylvia Cullen because she has a crush on him and she doesn't think she should be with yeah. Meredith. She's like, calves are looking good today, Bill. She's like, he's like, stop. I've been married for 15 years and I have three children. You need to let it go. When it comes to con men, few are more predatory than the self-proclaimed psychic named Sylvia Brown, dubbed America's most controversial psychic. She made her fortune selling false hope to the parents of missing children. And he's like, ma'am, can you please stop telling, like... And then other neighbor, she's George. Like, she's like, wait, I'm getting a premonition. No, you're not. I'm. Hey, Bill. Yes. Does your does your grandmother's name start with an M? No. C. No. W. No. You think my grandmother's oh, name getting, is also William? It must be from somebody else in the neighborhood. <laughs> she's like trying to play the mom. Born Sylvia Shoemaker, mocker maybe. Uh, on October 19th, 1936, in Kansas, Missouri, Brown claimed that her psychic abilities began when she was a toddler. In 1974, the scam artist found the Nirvana Foundation, uh, founded the Nirvana Foundation for Psychic Research. A few years later, she opened the Society of Novus Spiritus, where she trained ministers to help spread her ideas about God to their followers. Hmm. This seems a little sacrilege. You're asking me. Weird that ministers were like into this. Anyways, Brown also taught hypnosis through her eponymous training center. Who knows if I'm saying that right. Brown raked in the money by charging customers $850 to ask her questions about their lives over the telephone for half an hour. (laughs) 
$850 for half an hour? <laughs> that is, okay, let's say she's getting full days. We're going to do the math here, y'all, because that is a lot of money. So, like, what was it? $850? $850. Times 16? Yeah. Wait, why are we doing that? That's a full day is eight hours. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but if she's doing it by the half hour. Times five. We're going to say she works five days a week and I'm going to do four weeks to give us a month. Wait, that can't be right. <laughs> 850 times 16. Here we go. I just didn't do enough last time. Times five times four. So she weekly, she is making $272,000. Okay. You're saying she's that busy, though? You think she's got calls every half hour? If she has two foundations and people, like, she's probably on the radio a lot. She's Mm. probably doing a bunch of marketing. So, honestly, yeah. Damn. I would think so. Shelby. We are in the wrong business. (laughs) I think I'm getting a premonition (laughs) right now. Oh, interesting. This is crazy. Yeah. This is live. This is live. Okay. Um, mm, 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 mm. I am imagining, I'm seeing you. I'm, I'm not imagining. I'm seeing you. Oh, okay. You are gonna drink some water today. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to manifest that. I'm, I'm going to manifest that. It's, it's going to be out of a pink glass. <laughs> I just like, I'm imagining, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm envisioning it. Okay. Envisioning it. So. Oh. I love Ooh, that. that was really strong. That was a really strong one. I love I, that I'm point. a little lightheaded yeah. and dizzy. You're shaking up. Yeah. Would you like some water from this glass? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's pink glass. <laughs> um, she claimed that she could look centuries into the past and talk to the dead and alleged that her psychic abilities had helped the FBI to solve many crimes. Sylvia Brown shot to fame after she landed a regular guest spot on the Montel Williams show where she gave parents whose children had gone missing premonitions or information on their whereabouts. Sometimes she would tell the parents that their child was dead. Just going to take an extra pause on that. Yeah, let's just soak that one in. One of her most notorious readings was of Opal Joe Jennings, a six-year-old girl who was kidnapped by a stranger from her grandparents' Texas yard in 1999. Quote, she's not dead, the scam artist told Jennings' grandparents on Montel. Uh, quote, but what bothers me, now I've never heard of this before, but she was taken and put into some kind of slavery thing and taken to Japan. The place is Kukuro. She was taken and put on some kind of boat or a plane and taken into white slavery, unquote. I, like, so honestly, she like made up a whole like, thing. I'd rather you just say they're dead. Yeah, like that gives me more peace of mind. I mean, it's horrible, I mean, obviously, but I'd rather know that like that child is no longer suffering from like the horrible person that took them. Mm-hmm. I don't need to like hear about the suffering. Like they're still suffering and they're in Japan. No, I think she was saying. Excuse me, yawn. Oh, am I boring <laughs> um, you? <laughs> Um, I think she's still saying they're dead, but like this happened before. Like this is what happened before she's dead. That's so b- all bad, all horrible. But like, you, just you don't need to say that part. No, but she made it up. But Brown's reading proved to be false 
spoiler when jennings body was found buried somewhere near fort worth texas fort worth texas pathologists concluded that the girl had been killed and buried the same day that she was kidnapped brown's mention of the japanese town of kuroko um kukuro sorry should have uh, been the first clue that her reading was all a con as a quick Google search oh. would show that the place doesn't exist. <laughs> I forgot about that. I also. <laughs> okay. So like, dang, she's really getting this Japan country, like a town, like a whole bad rap and yeah. it didn't even happen. It's not even a place. Well, it's not even a place. I'm pretty sure Kukuro like, oh yeah, because it's not. <laughs> like La Kukuracha? Yeah, it also sounds like the Arrested Development. Kukuro. When they're like doing all the different times. And he's like, have you ever even heard of chicken? No, none of his family has heard of chicken. <laughs> Shout out to Rest of Development. What a good show until like the last two seasons. Yeah. An exhaustive examination of Brown's 115 public predictions about missing children concluded that 25 were wrong and the other 90 remain unsolved. So I just feel like so she could have had a lucky guess within the 90s yeah maybe but they were unsolved yeah no one really so i'm erring on the fact that she's completely wrong i mean yeah most likely you're a terrible person yeah in 1992 brown was indicted on several charges of investment fraud and grand theft she pled no contest to the sale of security without a permit which is a felony and was slapped with 200 hours of community service slapped Brown remained popular despite her numerous false readings because oh. people are idiots and went on to publish over 50 books. Oh, my. That's so many books. No, wait, 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 wait. 22 of which were New York Times bestsellers. Dang it. I thought I wish you ended there because I was like, it's only one book, just 50 copies. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funnier. <laughs> no, she bestseller list. So most of her multi-million dollar fortune has come from her pricey phone readings and the $700 consultations she offers to grieving parents. How hard is it to get on the New York Times bestseller list? Because it kind of sounds like easy now. I know. The sticker is like on everything. everything. Yeah, I don't know. You know what's like more impressive? If you're on like Reese Witherspoon's like book club. Oh. Because okay. like if she really likes your book. She's making a movie out of is it. Is she the new, like, Oprah sticker? Yeah. I remember when Oprah yeah. would, like, slap and her face on stuff. Like, she's she loved Big Little Lies. Yeah. Produced that, started it. Loved Little Fires Everywhere, produced that, started it. Mm-hmm. And now she's doing Where the Crawdad Sings. So basically, oh, yeah. if she just likes a book, she just makes it into a movie. Yeah, that's her thing. And I love that for her. She's killing it. I want her to like my book. I don't have one, but I want her to oh, like okay. it. I was going to say. A surprise. <laughs> okay. I have one. I have a book that I and never it's called told you about. Anna's House. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to read it. It's just basically like a documentary. So then she's going to produce a documentary of my life. I want you to explain what's happening with the camera on every page, though. Yeah. So oh. like you, so you type it out. I'm making it so easy for Reese to pick this up. <laughs> I'm going to make it. It's th- essentially a screenplay. It's just a screenplay. <laughs> But I bind it. It's going to be like the cursed child. Your dedication is to Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like literally cursed child where it's like they tell you what the people are doing on the page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did I ever finish that? No, I didn't. <laughs> 
Um, Sylvia recently received renewed interest as of 2008. She predicted a pandemic that sound mm. much like COVID. Brown wrote that around the year 2020, the world would be plagued by a, quote, pneumonia-like illness, unquote. So creepy. Brown ran her psychic empire until her death in 2013 at the age of 77. Ironically, her own death was another misreading. Oh, no. In 2003, she told Larry King that she would live until she was 88. Larry King. Not that far off. No. All double digits. All double digits. 77, 11 years off. She guessed 88. Which (coughs) I could see you like, you know, I also have that power now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like maybe she saw like 7711 in the background. Mm. She's like, I'm going to die at 77. Because I'm not 11. In November. Yeah. But it really was like, hey, girly, do your math. Add them up. Oh, yeah. Or subtract them, I guess. The universe was trying to tell you, I might need to go get water. <laughs> Who predicted it? <laughs> You'd be right. Anna Hunt predicted it. All right, here's our dude. Here we go. Victor Lustig. What a good name. The con artist who sold the Eiffel Tower twice. twice. Oh, yeah, this guy. Is- We're honestly this guy's biggest fans. Yeah, I love him. He's awesome. I might name my child that i don't plan on ever ha- having victor Wait, what's his last name maybe if i get an animal lustig you should name your child lustig <laughs> i name and it goes by lusty i get a cat i just name it tig oh that's cute that's cute okay well decided okay go get a cat hey tig um like tigger yeah, people, oh, people would think it was Tigger. But then you you slap him with, actually, it's based off of Victor Luster. Lustig. Lustig. Yeah. And then you explain his story. It's a convo starter. Good convo starter. All right. Well, let's learn about him. Victor Lustig was a con artist so suave that even when he was being arrested, a Secret Service agent allegedly told him, you're the smoothest con man that ever lived. <laughs> that agent was right. Lustig would go on to gain notoriety as the con artist who successfully sold the Eiffel Tower of France twice. Twice. Looking at Victor (laughs) Lustig's biography, it seemed as though he was destined for a life in the fast lane. He was born on January 4th, 1980 in the Astro-Hungarian town of Hoistine, uh, which is now the modern-day Czech Republic. Even as a child, Lustig wandered the streets committing petty thefts and card game scans. Cups of balls. <laughs> but eventually he outgrew his small schemes. Oh, imagine? small. This is already, oh yeah, we made a movie about this guy. Yeah. Pete Davidson. Yeah, him. yeah. Because here's the thing. I'm in love with Victor here. They're showing me a picture. Not the most attractive man. I don't know that I'd be charmed by this man. He looks like somebody you'd stay away from in a grocery store. Yeah. That's why we decided he had the Pete Davidson effect. And then Jack Black has got to be in it. Yeah. I think he might be the one who buys the Eiffel Tower. I think it'd be funny for Jack Black to be swindled. Yeah. I wanted him to be like the Tom Hanks in Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Like I wanted him to be the guy coming after him. We can do that too. The world is our oyster. We can brainstorm. We can brainstorm. Um... After dropping out of college at 19 in France, the con man took up a spot aboard ocean liners, which were the preferred mode of travel for the wealthy at the time. 
With his fluency in multiple languages, his calm demeanor, and perfectly manicured nails. <laughs> it's important. That is important. Lustig easily fit in with the rich businessmen on the ships, and it was during that time that he devised his first elaborate con, the money box. The money box. <laughs> Lustig would first <laughs> chat up some businessmen, and then he would slyly reveal his money box, which he claimed magically produced money. With the help of fellow scammer, Don oh, this was, Collins. This was Channing Tatum. This is Channing Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause we, we went back and forth. <laughs> we thought this would be. We did. And we ended with Channing. Yeah. This would be good. Um, who would baby Lustig be? Ooh. Um, the uh, the kid in. Lock and Key. Yes. Yeah. That guy. Or I was thinking um, the kid in um, Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah, they look very um, similar to each other. Yeah. So, yeah, either one. We'll have them both come in for a read. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously. It's not a shoe in Yeah. Okay? Pete yeah. Davidson also might not get casted. I don't know. I'm pretty set on that. I'm pretty set on that, too, but I don't want it to go <laughs> to his head. Yeah, we can't let him know that. We're also having MGK audition, too. Oh, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> Just to get him in the same room. Have you watched the movie that he has a movie on Hulu that I haven't seen yet? No, I have not. I have we'll seen. I know later. what you're talking about, but I have not watched it. Okay, yeah, no, me neither. Um, okay. My only thing about MGK is so many kids want to go to his concert. And I don't get it. Have okay. you seen all those videos? No, I don't know. Of, like, all referencing. these kids are, like, talking. To, and they're, like, young kids. Like, they're probably, like, seven or eight. Uh-huh. And they're, like, I want to see MGK. And the parents are, like, no, no, no. And they're, like, little do they know, we're actually taking them to an MGK concert. And oh. I've seen, like, two to three of them. And it's always, like, little girls. I'm like, this just doesn't scream the music that I think. I mean, I think I'm also a, a different character as compared Didn't to other little girls. Didn't he go from girls. like punk to rap and now he's going back to like punk? Punk, yeah. I think it's also like he does have like a child. I mean, a yeah. girl. So yeah, he's he probably one. like respectful in that area. So I that hope makes so. sense. But then you go, they like surprise them and they all like start crying. And then you see them in the concert and they know every lyric. And I'm like. Do I like MGK because these little girls like MGK? Maybe. I, his punk stuff is good. It's good. I like it. Yeah. So shout out MGK. Good job. Little boy from Ohio. My um, friend met him when oh, she worked at Panera. Nice. She got a picture with him. Way to go. Yeah. It was pre him being really shout famous. Shout out Bread Bowls. Shout out the St. Louis Bread Company. <laughs> Uh, with the help of fellow scammer Dan Collins, Lustig would privately do a demonstration to his new friends by inserting an authentic $100 bill into uh, the slot of the machine. After some quote-unquote chemical processing, the machine would, Dry eyes. Sp- would spit out <laughs> two authentic-looking $100 bills. Mm. But the money put out by his money box was, of course, counterfeit. Yeah. Nevertheless, he reaped tens of thousands of dollars by selling the con contraption for ten thousand dollars to gullible businessmen how convincing was the money right because money is like hard to make look and this is and this is in europe right well he was on ships he's on cruise ships so right he's all like this right like if you let's say you're promoting to uh the Frenchmen, and you're like, I can make this a hundred U.S. dollar bill. They don't really know what that looks like. Oh, that's a good point. That's that good could point. be convincing. Yeah. And then you could easily be like, well, I'll just go get it exchanged. 
and then you find out it's fake. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, there's our there's ending our music. music. <laughs> We're not done yet. We're not done. Uh, keep uh, keep listening to us. Please keep listening. Uh, in 1925, Victor Lustig returned to Paris to carry out his most ambitious con ever, selling the Eiffel Tower. The main feature of our movie. The con man posed as a French government official and sent out letters printed with the French government seal to heads of the country's scrap metal industry. He claimed that the government was looking for bids to buy the Eiffel Tower and that they were interested in selling it to the highest bidder. This is genius. The most beautiful scheme I have ever heard that of is in my entire life. So good. It is. Oh, is there a word beyond genius? Because honestly, that's how I feel about it. It is I like. Don't think so. I think I'm too dumb enough to come up with one. The simplicity of it is so beautiful and like he's going around getting like legit you know french like headers yeah government headers right and sending it to people and you're pinpointing it to the exact people you need it yeah you know it's not just like a billboard being like by the eiffel tower here you go Mm -hmm. he's he's reaching out to the people who could easily be convinced yeah, and just like, hey, we're selling it because we're going to do something new. Yeah, because like, like, it's just like, uh, what? Yeah, it's the Eiffel Tower. It's the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, we're sick of it. We're going to we're gonna do something different. Yeah, and it probably hasn't been in like super, like, now it's an icon, right? I mean, it's still an icon then. Yeah, but, I think it was back then. But it probably is, was like, oh, we've had it for a few years. Now mm-hmm. it's like, we're going to put something else there. I would believe that. Sure. If someone like built the bean and they're like, all right. Uh, it's been like 10 years. We actually want to do a new installation. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. It's just a bean. Yeah. To them, it's like, yeah, it's just a tower. Build something else. It's nuts. Okay, another quote. Uh, because of engineering faults, costly repairs, and political problems, uh, I cannot discuss the tearing down of the Eiffel Tower um, as it has become mandatory, unquote. So that's like part of what that's he put in his letters. even more convincing, the political thing. Lustig reportedly wrote... Um, Oh, that. What I just read. Yeah. His scheme dubbed by con artist experts as the big store. The big store. Worked. And the bids poured in. That is. I, I would believe it. I'm. I think. I think I'm genuinely in love with this man. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's dead. Hokey pokey. In and it's pretty great. sure. <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> uh, Lustig went on to commit more big swindles in the U.S., his suave demeanor and sophisticated schemes. That's not, that doesn't make sense. That's a whole sentence that oh. they say. <laughs> okay. Um, in one famous instance, Lustig managed to con his way out of an arrest by a Texas sheriff using the money box scam. His notoriety. He's a Texas sheriff, so that makes sense. His notoriety grew as he got into counterfeit banknotes, which finally put him on the Secret Service's radar. Lustig's con days come to an end on September 28, 1935, when FBI agents captured him after an intense car chase through Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. According to the local newspaper, Lustig finally exited the car without a fight, telling the officers, and then this is our last yeah, line. Yeah, this is goes, the last it line. It goes yeah. black. Because this is, again, magnificent. Iconic. This man I is con- a true king. He gets out of... 
Crazy car chase, okay? He's evading the cops. He's going through Pittsburgh left and right. Pittsburgh's got a bunch of bridges. Weaving down these roads, y'all, okay? Oh, crazy in Pittsburgh. They finally get him, and he's like, dang it, in his car, okay? He walks out, and he says, well, boys, here I am. I, a mic drop. I'm obsessed with this man. And then blackout. And then, yeah, then screen just goes black, obviously. And then our... Yeah, and then we also thought, like, end credit scene is (laughs) actually, like, Channing Tatum, his friend, is trying to get into the, like, cop car and is, like, struggling. Yeah, that was Anna's. And then mine was, in the movie, we, we don't actually, like, say how he sold the Eiffel Tower or something. We, like just allude to it yeah or we say or we um show off like the second time how he did it the second time in that end credit mm-hmm. so you get like a little extra little like peek into our guy yeah um brainstorm lustig was given a 20-year prison sentence at the infamous alcatraz prison the smoothest con artist uh, that the american secret service had ever seen died in march 1947 mm. he is dead he is dead after contracting pneumonia behind bars. What a life. What a life. R.I.P. R.I.P. Victor. We love ya. <laughs> love you, Vic. Love you, Vic. Vicky L. <laughs> uh, our next con artist is Jerome Jacobson. The ex-cop who conned a fast food giant out of McMillions. Ooh. I wonder... I wonder what this is about. Who knows? Burger King. Nami. (laughs) Arby's. Arby's. We've got the meats. (laughs) Nearly anyone who has bought a meal at McDonald's knows about the fast food company's popular monopoly marketing campaign. Of course. Nearly everyone. Of course I know about it. You know how I ripped those off the cups? Love them. But they've probably never heard of Jerome Jacobson. You would be correct. Yeah, I have not. The man who made millions by secretly rigging the game through a national network of co-conspirators. The bizarre and twisted con was the focus of the 2020 HBO documentary, McMillions, <laughs> which I have also never seen. Before he carried out the McDonald's monopoly scam, which was one of the biggest frauds outside of the finance industry, Jacobson was just a simple man from Ohio. In 1976, he became a police police officer in Florida, but his law enforcement dreams were dashed by health problems, including a neurological disorder that left him unfit to work. Mm. I'd like more information on that because what he's about to do is it's pretty complicated. Smart. Jacobson and his wife, Marsha, then moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where he secured a job in corporate security. He worked for a firm that handled the account of the Dittler Brothers, a publisher that was in charge of printing the game pieces of McDonald's $500 million sweepstakes contest. The game was popularly known as the McDonald's Monopoly. To win the game, customers had to find the most valuable McDonald's pieces, Monopoly pieces that were hidden in the packaging of their meals. Meanwhile, as Jacobson and his wife headed for divorce, he was hired to manage the security for the pieces to the McDonald's Monopoly game. In fact, the conman found himself in charge of safekeeping all valuable pieces from printing to distribu- distribution across countless restaurants. This meant that he had immediate access to game pieces that were worth anywhere between 2000 and $1 million. That's crazy. So it's just like one dude standing in front of a door yeah. that has like millions of dollars behind it? I just feel like this is their own fault. Yeah, like... 
You might want to. What? You might want to have like a team. Yeah, because I'm literally just picturing like a door, and he's his job is to stand in front of it all yeah. day and like make sure no one gets in, mm-hmm. except for somebody I don't know who has like a badge or yeah. whatever. I mean, we've seen like Avengers movies. A lot of people can get into these buildings really easily if you just wear a hat and sunglasses. For real, it doesn't look like it's that hard. So. <laughs> It would be these pieces that became the key to Jacobson's insane grift. Jacobson began stealing game pieces to gift to his close friends and family. Once the con men gave them a valuable piece, they would return it. Uh, they would turn it in as if they had accidentally found the game piece on their purchase meal, then split the winnings with Jacobson. Soon his scam ballooned into nationwide network of co-conspirators that numbered more than 50 people and included convicts, psychics, a family of Mormons, a member of the Colombo crime family, a man he met in the Atlanta airport, and a gambler and ex-con in Florida named Andrew Glom, who passed out winning game pieces to his network of friends, too. This is quite the Motley crew. It really is. And this would also be a funny scene in a movie. This would like be a really like kind of like a rat race kind of scene. Yeah, yeah. It would, and you know, there was like people working at McDonald's that were like, hey, like during like this week, I'll buy a lunch. And if I get it, like we can split it. But they're not like pulling it off in the back. Oh, you know oh, what I mean? Oh. Like, I'm sure people had like their own plans of seeing how like win and yeah. blah, blah, blah. They didn't have the pieces. They didn't have the tokens. <laughs> so. With his earnings, the scam artist bought multiple properties around the country, went on luxury cruises, and filled a garage full of exotic cars. By the end of his decade-long operation... Can you imagine? Decade. Decade. Ten years this man got away with it. Decade. That's... Didn't even realize that. Bonkers. was how long that went, either. The con man made away with a total of $24 million. Oh, my God. Quote, it was just the excitement to have the power, said Andrew Glom. Uh, because I like you, I can make you a millionaire. But the power wasn't to last. As all of the con artists were brought down by the FBI in August 2001, Jacobson was charged with conspiracy to commit mail fraud and received 15 years in prison. He also agreed to pay $12.5 million in restitution. Still has plenty of money. Yeah, no, he's fine. Meanwhile, the con man's co-conspirators were released on probation and are still working to pay back the money they stole as of 2020. That's where it makes me annoyed. Because, like... They should be exonerated, honestly. It feels like a Robin Hood situation. You know, like, McDonald's has so much money. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were, like, willingly giving out this money in the first place. It's not right that he stole it. I don't agree with that. Yeah. But the money was going to go out to people anyways mm-hmm. you know he should get he should get in trouble but like maybe not everybody he should have to pay off at all yeah everyone else just kind of was like yeah you you like me you're gonna make me a millionaire i kind of yeah. like it no one was hurt physically no one's mick sad that you got mick caught but i am mick hungry <laughs> after talking about this McDonald's. i love me a nugget um, all right, guys, we're going to do part it. two for the next one. So hold out for that. There are more con artists to come. But if you have anything that you'd like to say to us, feel free to shoot us an email at actingnormalpod at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at actingnormalpod. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>